Look at you, my beauties. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. But you're the best. This is the one we've all been waiting for, folks. The Calvin Horn Ram judging. Fine Ram, all right. He's gonna be a busy boy, I reckon. What do you mean? Okay, the Grimerson brothers find themselves the last two standing yet again. And Les Grimerson is the winner. Yeah. Oh, come on, Cole, cheer up. Why not? You two haven't spoken in 40 years. Why start now? Les is Ram. He's sick. Farmers have been shocked by the discovery of a highly infectious disease. Her control plan has been put in place in the hope of containing the outbreak. We spent half our lives in here. It means everything to them. That's it, mate. They're taking the whole bloody valley. Why don't they take us while they're at it? Finish the job. You gotta follow the rules. No kidding. Oh, my lovely girls. Smells like sheep. No sheep. A lot of air freshener, eh? I know what you got in your house. You kept up. I had to. You what? We find those sheep. He is done. <laughs> That's the trailer for Rams. Hello and welcome to the Cinema Australia podcast. My name is Matthew Eels. I'm thrilled to be here presenting the 50th episode of this podcast and I couldn't think of anyone better to interview for it than Jeremy Sims. I'm a huge fan of Jeremy as you'll hear a few minutes in when I confess to Jeremy how much I love his movies. I would have loved to have spoken to Jeremy about his entire career, but this interview was part of a press junket for Rams. And for those listening who aren't a part of the media, press junkets are usually very quick and very dirty. You have a member of the marketing team breathing down your neck, making sure you're ready to wrap up once your time is up. In this case, it was just 10 minutes. You'll also hear phones going off in the background, and it's worth noting they're all Jeremy's and not mine. Nevertheless, I think this interview gives a real insight into some important aspects of Rams, a film I've seen three times so far, and a film I believe is the best Australian film of the year. Rams is a remake of an Icelandic film and follows two brothers, Colin, played by Sam Neill, and Les, played by Michael Caton, who have been fighting for decades. Both are award-winning sheep farmers, but when disaster strikes and disease threatens their flocks, will they be able to work together to save their sheep, their legacy and the community? There are many things that I enjoyed about this film, from the incredible cinematography to Michael Caton's heartbreaking performance, but I just want to point out how great the music is in this film. It's composed by Australian composer Anthony Partos, and I reckon it's one of his best ever. Take a listen.
I just I love it. I'd also like to play you the following, which is Sam, Michael and Miranda Richardson discussing the themes of the film. I think if people take anything away, it will be that the lack of communication is not good for you. It's, you know, it's not good for Colin. It's not good for Cat. It drives her crazy. Miranda Richardson, wow. Watch Miranda go, God, she's a lovely actress. And Colin's lack of communication and, and my lack of communication. And when they actually do communicate, things happen. And that might be the lesson you take away with you. This film is about profound loneliness as much as anything. And about how salvation can be found in the company of others. You know, that community is extremely, extremely important. And it's very important to nurture community and find community. Well, I actually felt that the key theme of the film was always bloodlines, because it's, it's the thing that draws in the various elements of the film uh, into, and binds it all together. So, you know, this is about the relationship with the sheep. It's about the relationships with the brothers and it's about, and our version at least, is about the town. And the thing that kind of draws all that together is this notion of bloodlines and, and heritage, because these two brothers that haven't spoken for 40 years, all they care about, oddly enough, is their family because their family is represented through the bloodline that, that, that their grandfather created in this, in this heritage sheep, the Kelgan Horn. So it's quite odd that they don't speak to each other, yet all they care about is this family heritage. Um, they're two old single men uh, that without children, you know, their, their family name stops with them, but the one thing that will keep going is the sheep, and that's the thing that keeps the town together, it keeps the brother's name alive, and that's why we care so much about the sheep. There are lots of um, little trajectories and little, you know, just sort of little undertoes to follow and as well as being uh, immersive in this landscape, yeah. which maybe not that just many people know. I think it should be incredibly beautiful and moving and, and ultimately life enhancing, let's hope. <laughs> so there you have it, slightly heavier than what you'd expect from the trailer. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this interview and go and see Rams when it hits cinemas on October 29. Jeremy, how's it going? Good, Matthew. How are you, mate? Very good. Very good. Um, uh, how's everything going so far? Uh, well, it's slowly because I finished it. I made it two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I think we were, we were due to come out in April. And, and even that was us, you know, deciding to, 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 to wait till just after Christmas and, and everything to bring the film out. Mm. I think we were ready kind of, you know, November. So it has been a while coming. Um, I must say, though, I'm thrilled because nearly all the other films that were you know, kind of ready to go at the same time, um, they've all either gone off to streaming services or disappeared or mm. given very limited releases but Roadshow have a lot of faith in the film mm. I think they, they, they think that that people are going to love it if they get a chance to see it so they're really sticking you know they're, they're sticking fat with this um, yeah. in terms of the scale of the that they're bringing it out and the publicity and all that stuff so it's great yeah I'm really really couldn't be happier well, firstly, uh, I love this film. I've seen it three times now. Um, I've loved everything that you've made and I anticipate everything that you do as a filmmaker. 
Um, I, th- I personally think that you are, without a doubt, an absolute uh, Australian filmmaking treasure, and Rams proves that. So congratulations. Thank you very much. You can say that anytime you like. <laughs> um, so this is a remake of an Icelandic film uh, from director Grimor Harkonnesen. Yep. We've made a few of our, we've remade a few of our own films like Long Weekend, Patrick, Turkey Shoot and uh, Wake in Fright. But I can't remember a director. Who remade Long Weekend? Oh, I can't remember who the filmmaker was, but it had Claudia Carvin in it a few oh. years ago. Yeah, don't watch it. <laughs> oh, well, because the first one is of its time and place. It's written by Everett DeRoche, who yes. I'm actually working on one of his old scripts for my next feature. Oh, wow, there you yeah. go. It all yeah. ties in. <laughs> I'm a big fan, actually, of, of his. He, he wrote genre pictures before we made them. Yes. Um, but are they re- and they remade it with Claudia. Yeah, okay, I'll yeah. stick to the original too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, had you seen the original Rams before shooting? So when uh, Last Cab to Darwin was on the, the uh, festival circuit way back, um, sort of 2016, I think, um, or 15, um, Rams was out at the same time and pretty much everywhere I went, uh, we were one of the very kind of popular films and we often would be runner-up in the audience vote section, but the film that won every time was Rams. Uh, and people loved it, uh, particularly um, people that went to film festivals. It's a real, it's a film festival charmer. It's quite a slow film, um, but the, the central story, it's an Icelandic saga, so it's basically Cain and Abel or, and, and every other mythology in the world has a version of the two brothers, um, one good, one bad, you know, that, that, that don't like each other. Um, And so I loved it. I thought it was beautiful. Um, I didn't think it would do very well, you know, in the general populace because it's, it's so black and, and slow. Um, But for film, you know, for people that love movies, it was, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, And so I didn't think anything more about it. And about six months later, um, Aiden called me and said that, you know, he and Janelle had seen it in uh, at, at all the festivals that they'd been at with their film, uh, and they'd had a meeting with Gumer and that they'd secured the rights to remake it in Australia. Mm. Um, and I, I, initially, I said, "Well, that's just crazy. What are you crazy?" Uh, and then uh, they said that they'd given it to someone. It turns out Jules Duncan to uh-huh. adapt it, and that they were looking at making the ice mm. fire. Uh, and 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 that they were looking at building the community. And then I thought about the original film and I thought, look, the one thing that I was disappointed by um, with the original film was that I, I, you got to meet a couple of the members of their, of their Icelandic community, but those stories didn't go anywhere. Mm. And I was fascinated. I wanted to know about the vet and I wanted to know about his, his kind of depressed neighbour um, who comes around to see how he is and stuff. So... For Jules and I, it was a fantastic opportunity to reframe a great story, but also to look at the wider community around the two warring brothers, and particularly in Australia, mm. where men and farming and hardship are, are really kind of 
specific issues. Turns out that pandemics and bushfires are quite topical as well. So yes, that's right. Uh, we can talk about those a little bit uh, yeah. later. But um, while I was watching the film but for the three times that I saw it, uh, I found it interesting that whenever Michael Caton appeared on screen, people laughed because they because when people see Michael, they just expect comedy. But yeah. his role here is quite traumatic. And, uh, and I'd go as far as saying it's his best uh, dramatic performance ever. Uh, can you tell us about working with Michael uh, to get him to this place? Yeah, well, look, this that's just, look, you know, obviously Mike won every award going around for Last Cap to Darwin. And, and so for him, I, I've known him forever. I, I'm a very big believer. I love 70s American indie cinema is my favourite. That's my genre. Uh, and most of those films are made up with male or female leads, but particularly male leads with faces that you just want to watch on screen. And I think... It's a it's a much underestimated kind of value that, that you know great screen actors and, and what they can do with their faces if you just leave a camera on them. Well, Michael's one of those people that you can put a camera on and you immediately want to watch and you want to see what they're doing. And so I thought he was underused anyway. I, I, you know, Last Cap to Darwin was what it was, and it's been great for him, great for me, and great for everybody. Um, and that character was had a had a mean streak. You know, had a dark side. Um, but generally he was still a lovable character. And then when this came up, I'm, Aidan and Janelle were pretty keen on talking to Michael about playing uh, the lead, playing Colin. Uh, and I said, no, that I, I, doesn't appeal to me. I've already made a, a, a film with Mike. But what about the brother? What about the, the broken brother? What about the, the alcoholic, strange, misanthropic, you know, um, depressed brother? Um, and in the original, of course, you, you don't find out what it is that's between the brothers. But for me, always, it was about their land. It's about the property with the fence down the middle. And that he's, in my head, he was always the older brother that didn't get the farm because he was an asshole and his father didn't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started with that premise. And, and Michael took a little bit of convincing early on. Um, but I know it's hard to believe, but Michael does have a dark side and doesn't mind a drink. So we explored that side of his personality and I think everybody won. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the bushfire and uh, the pandemic before. Uh, all Rams needed was a mayor going against uh, medical officials and telling everyone to get back to farming and it would have had uh, 2020 all wrapped up. Yeah. Um, it, it's eerie how similar some of these themes are to what's happened in 2020. What was going through your mind when you were seeing this stuff on the news? Did you think that it would impact the film in any way? Well, originally it was the, it was the bushfires. Um, and the bushfires were happening as we were editing. So we were re- really aware that um, this was kind of zeitgeisty. And, and, but to be honest, in Australia, you can pretty much guarantee, you know, once every three summers there's going to be that kind of deal. And, and, and so that was a thing. But the pandemic things have been incredible, um, not least because we've got that beautiful scene when they're all at Asha Ketty's character's house um, talking about what the government's doing in response to the pandemic and and arguing that, you know, is it are they going overboard? Is it overkill? Do we really have to kill all the sheep? Do we have to shut everything down? Do we, you know, it, it, they're the arguments that we're having every day. And, and the idea that it's sheep, not people that they're discussing, I think I find fascinating because, uh, because then our two principal characters pivot on the fact that they love their sheep mm-hmm. as opposed to just having sheep. They love them. 
So it changes the argument for them. And that's what all of us are going through. You know, if you're sitting outside of the pandemic, you can go, well, look, we should let all our old people get sick and die. They're all over 80 anyway, and they've had a good innings, too bad. But if it's your grandfather or grandmother, then you're going to hide them, you know, in the back of your house and not let anyone know <laughs> um, and not let them get sick. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's incredibly prescient, weirdly. Uh, Aiden told me that um, he's had people asking him to make a movie about uh, lotto numbers next. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, you, you were born in Perth and I know you spend a bit of time in Western Australia. How much do you, do you re- uh, enjoy returning to WA to, to make movies? I'm, I'm completely a Western Australian. It doesn't matter how long I live in Sydney and I love Sydney and, and things, but I'm, I'm from WA. Uh, I, I didn't just wasn't just born there. I grew up there till I and I lived there till I was twenty one, mm. um, and so all my formative experiences, you know, as a teenager and growing up, were, were going down south. So for me, uh, Albany is down really down south. Yes, <laughs> most of the time we go down to Margaret River and Yelling Up and that sort of area, um, but that I just love I just love that whole country. So that when they said, "Would you like to come and make?" A movie in Southwest WA, and I was just—I was so on board. Uh, and and the chance for me to film that country, uh, and 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 for me to depict West Australian people uh, was was—I just—I love it. I love doing community scenes. I love doing scenes like the one at the pub where they're all talking. I love doing those scenes where human beings have all their little victories and all their little sadnesses and they're trying to articulate them. You know, they're, they're my, that's my favourite stuff. You know, even in Last Cap de Darwin, my favourite scenes were the pub scenes. <laughs> people were chatting, just, just talking, you know, and, and trying, to, trying to hide their private kind of fears and, and shames and, and, and wants. Uh, tell us about the people of Mount Barker because I've heard that they were quite uh, hospitable to the cast and crew while you guys were down there. Well, you know, I, I was very busy making a movie, but our producers and my first AD spent most of the time in lockup at the Mount Barker Hotel, um, <laughs> drinking beer, from what I could tell. <laughs> they, the, the, the locals were brilliant. Um, there's lots of them in the movie. There's lot, lots of them turn up in all the, on all the, you know, the big scenes. Um, the sheep show, which the film opens with, is just full of, of Mount Barker locals. Um, I look, it was great for everybody, really. They liked having us, so we liked being there. Um, it was great for their economy, and, and it shows in the movie. You know, like we actually, the only thing I did, which which unfortunately now people are going to come to Mount Barker and think that they can be at the beach in Albany in 10 minutes, uh, and they can't. It's, it's yes. a 40-minute drive, but we put, the, we put the mountains and the sea near one another in the movie. Just over the hill. Hey, um, uh, Jeremy, I could talk to you about this film all day because I absolutely loved it. And uh, congratulations and, uh, and I wish it all the best. Cheers, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Cinema Australia podcast. You can keep up to date with all the latest Australian film news, reviews, features and interviews at cinemaaustralia.com.au.